Hello, out there, and good morning. This is Waking Up with Jack Luna. I'm your host, Jack Luna. It's uh, six in the morning. Because Dark Topic hasn't been as consistent as I wanted it to be, I am doing two additional episodes on Tier 13 of Patreon every month. I wasn't able to keep up and and stay as publicly uh, relevant as I wanted to. So I, I figured I would do something... Free thought. Oh God, I can't even say the word that I. Uh, this is a rough start. Free flowing, and um, hopefully it's entertaining for you. I uh, plan on doing this maybe once a week if it uh, gets better in the next couple of minutes. Quick, I might even just stop this right now because this is a this is a nightmare. Suddenly, this is a, this is stepping into a nightmare with Jack Luna. This is not waking up. Anyways. I've been trying to get sober for a while. I've had this focus on it. Like if I can quit drinking and smoking cigarettes and whatever, then my mind will clear up and I'll be able to get rid of this horrible feeling I always have in my chest. I got a, I have um, anxiety, I guess. And um, all through my life, mainly really through my 20s, I think I did a lot of damage to myself. Um psychically um, and like emotionally, spiritually. Um, I worked in a group home for like 10 years and I think I should have left about two years in, but I got stuck. Um, I think it was because of the money or the, the lack, the lack of money, uh, like a paycheck to paycheck mentality, but also because I began to like rely on the people that I worked there with as like family and the, the kids and stuff as well. And I thought that they needed me to be there, which is a mistake. I mean, there's always new people who will work there and take your place. But I had this weird mindset and the kids, you know, they would pass away. And and there was just like, I don't know, I got stuck there for a decade. As I take a sip of my, um, what am I drinking? It's not green tea because that gives me the uh, the, the shakes because I'm very uh, sensitive, apparently. Some kind of herbal tea. And uh, I've been trying to work, uh, I was trying to work that out, all of that out. I don't know. I was trying to drown it in alcohol. Um, When I got out here, we moved out here about 10 years ago, and suddenly I had more, I had free time. I didn't have to work as hard as I was working anymore. We were able to uh, get a mortgage that was like, you know, $300 a month, and my girl was working, and... I suddenly had this free time and uh, I was told, you know, just relax. I'm like, whoa, relax. And uh, I started drinking and uh, I had always drank. Mainly it was like on the weekends or a couple after work. But now it was like 10 in the morning with people out here, you know, and um, sitting at the bar and just talking and playing pool. And I was like, wow, I figured it out. All I got to do is drink all the time and I feel good. I literally thought that. I remember saying that. I think I was probably about 30. It's probably 31. All I got to do is keep drinking and I'll be okay. Then I feel good. (laughs) And I did as much as I could until I had kids and slowed down a bit. Um, Sped up in the evenings when I had free time again. But what I had done, I realize now, is um, I was was, uh, clouding my mind i was standing still um 
the damage was just waiting for me, whatever that damage is from my life. I mean, I think the the main thing for me is is to learn how to just like let start letting things go. But um, it's hard to let things go when you don't even know that you're holding on to them. And I think there's a lot of things that I'm holding on to that I'm not even really that aware of. So what I've been doing is I've been trying to uh, meditate in the mornings. And I discovered something through uh, reading about meditation and all that that I wanted to share. <clears throat> it's something called the fourth moment. So you have the uh, past, you have the present, and there's the future, and then there's the fourth moment, which is, um, it's hard to explain. But in meditation, and I don't really understand it, there's a place you go if you do it enough, and I haven't done it enough, but I, I know what they're talking about, I think, where you're just in the pre- you're in the now. It's not the present so much as it is the now. The present is constantly going away, right? And bleeding into the future and the past is slipping behind us. But the fourth moment is always available. Um, you split kind of from your your ego. You, you will feel this moment of like being haunted or a long moment of being haunted. And it's kind of scary if you do it right, which I'm not sure. Again, I'm not sure if I've gotten to the point where I'm doing this right. Um, I think worrying about doing it right is the thing that's holding me back from doing it right but you let go of everything and it's just nothing you just feel nothing and you feel kind of haunted at times like fear and it'll snap you back and they say that that's your your ego um you're being haunted by your own ego and in the fourth moment you know you just you're just nothing and it's nice and um when you come out of it the thoughts that normally uh, reoccur and that are that are bothering you and all that uh, it feels like you might you can kind of take them one at a time rather than getting jumped by them like they don't pile on to you as much like you can sort through them a little bit better by giving yourself that moment in the fourth moment each day um and I'll continue to uh, update you on how I'm doing with the fourth moment not not so hot so far but uh I'm trying I'm trying I wanted to read uh something from Jurassic Park. I've been reading Jurassic Park by Michael Crichton to my family each each night while they go to sleep. It's been a while now we've been reading it, but there was a part the other night that goes well with what I was just talking about. He's talking about chaos theory here, so I wanted to share this with you. A quote from Jurassic Park. Not sure if I'm even allowed to do this, but we're living in the fourth moment where nothing matters, you know? So in this scene, uh, you know the character played by Jeff Goldblum? Life will find a way. He is talking to this other, the other guy, Grant, one of the uh, the paleontologists, I think, the main one, I guess. And he's trying to explain to him something about uh, chaos theory. And I, I just want to read this to you. I thought it was really interesting. Quote, Fractals are a kind of geometry associated with a man named Mandelbrot. Unlike ordinary Euclidean geometry that everybody learns in school, squares and cubes and spheres, Fractal geometry appears to describe real objects in the natural world. Mountains and clouds are fractal shapes, so fractals are probably related to reality somehow. Mandelbrot found a remarkable thing with his geometric tools. He found that things looked almost identical at different scales. For example, a big mountain seen from far away has a certain rugged mountain shape. If you get closer and examine a small peak of the big mountain, it will have the same mountain shape. In fact, you can go all the way down the scale to a tiny speck of rock. Seen under a microscope, it will have the same basic fractal shape as the big mountain. 
Grant says, I don't really see why this is worrying you. He yawns and smells the sulfur fumes of the volcanic steam. It's a way of looking at things, Malcolm said. Mandelbrot found a sameness from the smallest to the largest. And this sameness of scale also occurs for events. Consider cotton prices. There are good records of cotton prices going back more than 100 years. When you study fluctuations in cotton prices, you find that the graph of price fluctuations in the course of a day looks basically like the graph for a week, which looks basically like the graph for a year or for 10 years. And that's how things are. A day is like a whole life. You start out doing one thing, but end up doing something else. Plan to run an errand, but never get there. And at the end of your life, your whole existence has that same haphazard quality too. Your whole life has the same shape as a single day. I guess that's one, one way to look at things, Grant says. No, Malcolm says. It's the only way to look at things. At least the only way that is true to reality. You see the fractal idea of sameness carries within it an aspect of recursion, a kind of doubling back on itself, which means that events are unpredictable, that they can change suddenly and without warning. But we have soothed ourselves into imagining sudden change as something that happens outside the normal order of things, an accident like a car crash or beyond our control like a fatal illness. We do not conceive of sudden, radical, irrational change as built into the very fabric of existence. Yet it is. And chaos theory teaches us that straight linearity, which we have come to take for granted in everything from physics to fiction, simply does not exist. Linearity is an artificial way of viewing the world. Real life isn't a series of interconnected events occurring one after another like beads strung on a necklace. Life is actually a series of encounters in which one event may change those that follow in a wholly unpredictable, even devastating way. End quote. So, I just thought that that, that gave me chills when I heard all that, especially the part, you know, about the mountain and uh, the tip of the mountain being the same as the entire mountain and then a little piece of rock being the same as the... I've always looked at life as one big mosaic, you know, like from the start to the finish, every day being different and all building towards what the entire thing looks like, like a ramping up of evolution of yourself through your life. But in reality, he's right. And I've noticed this every day is a chance to um, have a new life. Instead of uh, sleeping in every day, you get up early. That changes that day. And the change in that day can change the rest of your life if you get up early every day going forward. You drink in the evenings to, uh, to relax. Uh, this was a big one for me. It's like, well, I'm not doing anything else, so I might as well have a few drinks, right? What else would I be doing is what I would say to myself. Uh, how, like anything. You could be doing anything else. And the, the choice to, to drink that evening and just watch some sports and act like, okay, this is what people do, right? Like, I, this is normal. It's, it screws up my next morning. If I'm hungover, I'm not going to get up early and get the good start on the day, right? So, like, every day, the way – if you get into a routine of your day that is healthy, you get up early, you meditate, you maybe write a bit or journal, whatever you're into. Even just sit and think and drink some tea and stretch your legs, whatever, get ready for the day. The things that are going to happen in that day – You're going to be in the right mindset to deal with them in a way that's going to end up um, working out for you. You get up all hungover and, and, and meet the day. By noon, you're already thinking about having another drink to be able to get through this shit. 
and you're just kind of like sleepwalking through it. If you have kids, I mean, you don't have the same energy for your kids that you should have. If you have a partner, people in your life, you know, that you're interacting with, I mean, they'll notice and that will affect their lives, the quality of their lives if you're just not all there with it. Every single day is a chance to change your entire life. And I didn't know that. Anyways, so with these, I'm going to, uh, I'm really uncomfortable with this. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to do this, if I'm going to put this up, but I think I will just because you never know unless you try. I hear comedians and, um, you know, mainly comedians like Joey Diaz or Theo Vaughn or Bill Burr or, um, you know, just kind of do do these kind of uh, podcasts. And often I'm listening and I'm like, okay, this isn't funny so much as they're just working through their their thoughts and trying to find material and all that. And I feel like I could do the same thing for um, for Dark Topic with this. And I'm I'm just giving it a go. So the next thing I kind of wanted, and I'm going to be much more structured than these other podcasts, I think, because I'm super insecure and I need to be prepared. You know what that is? False humility. And I've been working on it. So <clears throat> I've always known this, but if you show humility and you are self-deprecating and you, you know, you tear yourself down in front of people and all that, um, I, I don't like to admit this, but, um, I'm not looking for, you know, people to be like, no, no, you are smart or no, no, you, you know, you're doing really good. Uh, um, I really do feel, uh, um, I don't think I like myself a lot of the time. Anyways. Um, false humility is pretending to be a human, you know, a humble person at, at times. And I feel like I am, but often I will use it as a way to disarm people. You can't attack me if I'm already attacking myself. It's a protection mechanism. If I feel like the podcast isn't going well and I say, this is stupid, I'm an idiot, this sucks, you if you say it, then it doesn't hurt, right? Um, so that's that's what that is. And I'm working on a pure humility. Um, this false humility stuff, you'll see it a lot with actors who will act like ultra humble and like they don't know how famous they are and all that. And that's all bullshit. Of course they know how famous they are. They don't, they don't need to celebrate it, but they also don't need to show this false humility to gain even more attention for being a humble person, you know, it's uh, they're like doubling down and it's a trick. If I sit here going, I don't know, I think I, I don't even know why you guys listen to the podcast. Um, I don't think I'm a writer. I, I think that I'm more just like a, um, you know, a person who is able to express themselves blah, 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 as I'm unable to express myself. See, just did it in it. That might have been real. Oh, this sucks. <clears throat> okay. The next portion of the program, what I'd like to do is read some old news. So on this day back in 1986, there was a thing that happened in Cincinnati, Ohio. And for a long time, I've been thinking about doing this kind of podcast where it's where I read the Wikipedia. And there are some podcasts out there that won't tell you that they're doing it, but they are reading the Wikipedia on uh, whatever case that they're covering. I know this because I read the Wikipedia when I'm covering a case, 
and I can tell that they've covered the arc of the story from the angle that Wikipedia has it laid out, the sequence of events. Sometimes they even use the wording that's on Wikipedia. But Wikipedia is public domain, so I'm okay to read it. Um, I am going to read some old news on this weekly or monthly or whatever kind of podcast this turns out to be. Kind of like a this day in whatever. I mean, I might not keep up with that, but for 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 this one, I am going back to September 27th of 1986. It is currently September 27th of 2021. And uh, I'm going to put a little music in behind this and, and show you how to really read from the Wikipedia. Rosetta Stone, everybody. You know, for a long time, I've been wanting to go to Japan, but the thing holding me back is that I'm intimidated by the language. And that's why I've been going pretty hard at the Rosetta Stone service. I want to be able to take my girl to Japan, a place that she's always wanted to go, and suddenly just start speaking fluent Japanese at the restaurant. That's my goal. <laughs> Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on a desktop or as an app, and it truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It's been a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users, 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. Rosetta Stone immerses you in a bunch of ways. Uh, there's an intuitive process where you pick up the language naturally, first with words and phrases, then sentences. They have the speech recognition feature. Built-in true accent gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Uh, it's like having a personal trainer for your accent. It's convenient and it's an amazing value especially with this offer here. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Dark Topic listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off on limited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Today. All right, everybody, Zipix Toothpicks. This is something that I use all the time. So this episode is brought to you by Zipix Nicotine Toothpicks. Zipix brings you a totally satisfying, convenient, and great-tasting way to curb your nicotine cravings. Now you can get your nicotine fix anytime, anywhere, without having to rely on smoking or vaping. Zipix Toothpicks give you an easier, better, and more discreet way to get your fix. They're available in six great long-lasting flavors, and they have options in two milligrams and three milligrams of nicotine. Zipix are perfect for flights, sporting events, restaurants, podcasting, uh, literally anywhere that you smoke or vape where that's banned. They're also one of the most cost-effective nicotine products on the market. Zipix also offers caffeine and B12 infused toothpicks if you're not a nicotine user or if you're trying to get away from your nicotine habit. Zipix have already helped tens of thousands of customers, including myself, to get their nicotine fix without needing to inhale smoke or vape oils. Make your lungs happy and try Zipix, nicotine-infused toothpicks. So ditch the cigarettes, ditch the vape, and get some nicotine-infused toothpicks at zipixtoothpicks.com today. Get 10% off your first order by using the code DARKTOPIC at checkout. Your lungs will be glad you did. Must be 21 years of age or older to order. Warning, nicotine is an addictive chemical. Zip more, smoke less with Zipix nicotine toothpicks. All right, so today we're going to be reading about Balloon Fest 86. 
This was a stunt coordinated by Balloon Art, a Los Angeles-based company headed by a guy named Treb Heining. Uh, he spent six months preparing it. There was um, a rectangular structure the size of a city block. It measured 250 feet by 150 feet and was like three stories high. Um, and then this was covered with a piece of net, a woven flesh-like, mat- flesh-like material, mesh material, and was set up to hold the balloons uh, on a southwest quadrant of Public Square in Cleveland. Inside the structure, 2,500 students and other volunteers spent many hours filling balloons with helium. The United Way uh, originally planned to release 2 million balloons, but eventually stopped at just 1.4 million, which is a lot of friggin' balloons. Children in the area were selling sponsorships to benefit the United Way uh, at the price of a dollar for every two balloons. So this is this big, this big stupid balloon event. In uh, Cleveland in 1986, they, they're they going to release, they wanted to release 2 million balloons into the air. Hooray! And, and um, well, I have the Wikipedia right here, so I'll continue to read it to you. I don't know why I'm trying to freeball here when I have all my research already done for me. On Saturday, September 27th, 1986, with a rainstorm approaching, organizers decided on an early release of the balloons at about 1.50 p.m. Eastern. Close to 1.5 million balloons rose up from Cleveland's public square surrounding Terminal Tower and surpassing a world record set the previous year on the 30th anniversary of Disneyland. Disney only cares about money. I don't know if you guys know that. But Disney is a trap for families. Disguised as like this big, hi, most wonderful place on earth. Most manipulative place on earth. It's like Disney World to me is like a like a like a big child. It's not a child molester. It's it's just like a big molester who molests the money out of your pockets and uses your uh, children against you or your childhood against you. I find a lot of people that continue to go back to Disney that for the nostalgia. They hooked them when they were kids, and now they're older and they're like trying. They're like they realize their lives kind of are are too serious, so they put on the Mickey ears or the Minnie ears a couple of times a year and go there and run or waddle all through the uh, the park and, you know, this look in their eyes like uh, they're forever a princess. But anyways, we're going on here. Typically, a helium-filled latex balloon that is released outdoors will stay up long enough to uh, fully deflate before it descends to Earth. But with these balloon fest balloons, uh, what happened was they collided into a uh, front of cool air and rain, and then they dropped back to the ground still inflated. So they had tried to rush this thing because there was a storm coming in. They let all the balloons go. Okay, there's a storm coming. Let them go. And the storm comes in and pushes all the balloons back down to earth. They're supposed to go all the way up and just pop. And then all this plastic drops from the sky into the <laughs> into the lake, <laughs> which I don't know why that wasn't a big deal. It's a lot of balloons. If you look at pictures of this, it looks like... Um, you know, a horde of locusts descending upon the city or ascending from the city, then descending back down upon it. I I know what ascending and descending means. It's basically the point of that whole little situation that's happening still right now for some fucking reason. Anyways, the balloons come back down and uh, they're laying all over the place. They they clogged the land and waterways of northeast Ohio. um, And in the days following this event, Balloons are reported 
everywhere. Uh, washed ashore even on the Canadian side of Lake Erie. Two fishermen who had gone out on September 26th were reported missing on the day of this event. Uh, rescuers who went out to uh, try to find them spotted their boat anchored at the uh, west edge of Edgewater Park. A Coast Guard search and rescue helicopter crew had difficulty reaching the area because of the asteroid field of balloons. A search and rescue boat crew tried to spot the fishermen floating in the lake, but they couldn't see them because the balloons made it impossible to spot anything but balloons. I mean, if you're looking for a little head bobbing in the water and there's a million balloons in the water, you're not going to be able to, uh, to see the people who are drowning in the water. On September 29th, the Coast Guard suspended the search and the fishermen's bodies eventually washed up on shore. The wife of one of the fishermen sued the United Way of Cleveland for $3.2 million and later settled. Balloons landing in a pasture in Medina County, Ohio, spooked a bunch of Arabian horses, which uh, made them suffer permanent injuries as well. Their owner sued for 100000 in damages. I'm going to look up, since we're on Wikipedia, let's go for a little ride here. What is an Arabian horse? Oh, a beautiful horse. Yeah, they're uh, with a distinctive head shape and high tail carriage. The Arabian is one of the most easily recognizable horse breeds in the world. Oh, it's just a regular horse. Throughout history, Arabian horses have spread around the world by bo- both war and trade. Okay, so this is just like a regular horse. Bunch of horses got hurt. Donkeys, I've been looking into donkeys lately, and they're super intelligent, and I didn't realize that. Because you call someone a donkey. Maybe it's because of the eon, eon, <coughs> you know, the noises they make. But donkeys, uh, there was this video I saw recently of the, this little girl, or this young woman now, when she was a little girl, she had raised this donkey and been around it. And I guess she went out to school and she comes back. And uh, the donkey sees her and it's going, doing its eon, eon, coming up to her and just rubs up against her neck. And he's, got, he's just so relaxed, like he had anxiety of where she was this entire time. And he's just like so happy to see her and very touching. I think if I was to get anything at this point when it comes to uh, animals, I'm going to get two donkeys. They're apparently very social creatures. And if they are alone, you know, they will be, uh, they'll get pretty depressed. But anyways, we're not here to talk about donkeys. You might be saying to yourself, we're listening to a donkey. And that's that false humility kicking in again. Burke Lakefront Airport had to shut down a runway for half an hour after balloons landed there. Traffic collisions were reported. Drivers were swerving to avoid slow motion blizzards of multicolored orbs. <laughs> and the, as they were taking their eyes off the road to gawk at the overhead spectacle, they were slamming into fire hydrants, and you know it was just a it was a hell of a day. In a 1988 copy of the Guinness Book of World Records, um, this was recognized as the largest ever mass balloon release. Anyways, on this day, 1986, some people in Cleveland decided to be a good idea to release one and a half million balloons just before a storm started, and it completely fucked up everything in that city for weeks. Fun. Well, the final portion of uh, this uh, Waking Up With Jack Luna experiment here, I'm going to take a call in. So I'd appreciate it if you guys, uh, hey guys, let me just ask you a quick favor. Stop here for a second. Pause. Hard stop. Be really doing the uh, podcast solid if you followed the link that I have in the notes. 
to leave a voicemail. It would be a question or a comment about the show or whatever. Something for me to respond to at the end of these Waking Up with Jack Lunas. Uh, I got two. I'm just going to read the one for now. The other one was kind of uh, garbled. I didn't understand what they were saying. But this one, I did. So let's play this. Hey, Jack. This is Stefan from Nipua. Long-time caller, first-time listener. That might be wrong. Anyways, uh, I know you've said you've been on this uh, sobriety change of lifestyle. and uh, It's also something I'm going through myself for now two and a half years. Just wondering, what are you doing for yourself to deal with anxiety, depression, you know, all the the uh, mind fuckery that uh, beginning sobriety brings. I don't like for myself, I tried a ton of things and until I found things that work and just wondering what you've been going through that, you know, seems to work for you or what things you want to try and what, uh, what are your fallbacks to, you know, deal with the shit storm of, uh, sobriety. Anyways, have a good one. Thanks, Stefan. For calling in. I covered all this uh, for the most part, but I'll say the things that I do, I spend a lot of time with my kids, hammered, and uh, I find that beating them, um, um, I spend a lot of time with my kids. If you have kids, I mean, that's great. Um, I've been going fishing lately, which I find helps. But the main thing is getting off to a good start for me so far. It's getting up early. It's doing some meditation. It's just spending some time quietly with myself, planning what I'm going to do for the day, and just being um, in the moment for a bit, that fourth moment that I was talking about. This nowness, this getting to know myself better, this working through my baggage type stuff. So it doesn't clog up my day like a million balloons, you know? And uh, I could hear it in your voice there, uh, Stefan, that you're tired. I think I know who you are, actually. Um, I know I know that you work in the healthcare field and you probably are under like a lot of pressure all the time. Um, and it's easy to justify going and, and just, just getting sloshed or whatever when you've worked really hard and had a rough day and all that. That's that's a <clears throat> that rewarding yourself with booze or drugs or whatever else uh, is is a slippery one too. That's a that's a real trap. And uh, I would say honestly I know the answer. You need to get some hobbies, right? <clears throat> you need to start, not for you. You're not looking for my advice. I know, maybe you were. But for me, I realize instead of rewarding myself with, with booze or drugs or you know even a pack of cigarettes, um, you got to keep it going. You feel good about the day that you just had? Why not feel good about the evening you're about to have tomorrow morning? Guaranteed when you wake up the next morning and you drank a, a Mickey of whiskey and had like five beers and ended up, um, you know, watching porn to three in the morning, (laughs) messaging ex-girlfriends or something. Um, you're not going to feel good the next morning. And, uh, that's all there is to it. You got to keep on making decisions in the now that are going to please your future and, uh, keep you on stable footing. I I know this. Everybody knows this. (sighs) I tell you, it's much harder to go through the type of day most of us go through than it is to just stop 
in our evenings or in our afternoons or mornings, whenever it is that you fall off whatever wagon it is that you're trying to stay on, it's much easier just to stay on that wagon than it is to have done the things that you were forced to do during the day. Like I remember having to work 12-hour shifts and then getting up the next day and then getting called in and I'm taking the bus. Um, I'm not getting paid well. My mindset is, but I'm pushing myself just to do it because I know I have a responsibility to do it. I have to do it. And if I'm willing to do that for a place that doesn't care about me, uh, like your job, for the, usually, right? Or the, um, why can't I do it for myself? And it's not so much um, uh, a, a substance abuse issue as, as it is a um, caring about yourself issue as it is about uh, looking out for yourself and being in connection with yourself and, and, and sacrificing for yourself. Sure, the, the booze will make you feel good in the evening, but the, and, and you might say to yourself, okay, I'm going to sacrifice how I feel tomorrow morning to feel good right now. That is a sacrifice, I guess, for yourself. But I mean, if you could sacrifice that evening, not go and do those things. Just, just try to go for, a, go for a walk, read a book, you gotta you gotta get busy you gotta you gotta get busy and uh it's all about for me at least every morning when i wake up i look around and i check my head and i check my memory and i say did i drink last night did i smoke a bunch of cigarettes last night you know did did i fucking make all these kind of mistakes and if i didn't the day you know we have a, we have a real chance here on this day um get up Go out there into your back room, uh, wherever wherever it may be. Just make yourself a tea, a coffee. Sit, look out the window, meditate, plan. Just get that first foot down, and and then and then work to get the other feet in front of you as well. And I'm not there yet. I'm working towards it. Um, and um, I hope that you enjoyed this first episode of Waking Up with Jack Luna. Again, like I said, I'll try to do it once a week, depending on how I feel. And uh, this is my way of gluing together the episodes of Dark Topic that have been so sporadic here. But my, again, my goal is twice a month and uh, try to try to keep keep relevant here with these uh, episodes that hopefully will get better as time goes on. Eyes cocked, doors locked. Stay paranoid. Thank you for being. Uh, I guess when I say hello out there, I, I'm always just talk speaking out into the the ether, and um, I. I'm thankful to have this uh, medium or this option to be able to um, sit and just try to work some of this stuff out and uh, openly. I'm not very good at it yet, but I'll come back and try again. Thank you so much for waking up with me, and I hope you have a good day.